Um, so if you're not watching Dark on Netflix, I personally think it's probably the best show on Netflix. Oh, and by the way, if you're listening, right this is the start of the podcast. You did not enter the middle of this. Anyways, <laughs> go, ahead, Frank. go ahead. But yeah, I think Dark is probably the best series on Netflix right now. Uh, it was written to be its own complete story. Three, only three seasons. And I've never everything... even heard of this show before you said something. So about. it's it's Netflix's first German original series. So the that show explains that the show isn't German. Uh, I'd recommend watching it with subtitles. The dub doesn't really do uh, the dialogue justice. Um, what's but... a German dub look like? <laughs> well, I mean, it's an English dub of yeah, German. Yeah, what's that look like? It's... Like I've only ever seen like a Japanese. They, they or play Chinese. the trailer of it. If you go and look at it on Netflix, they'll play the trailer yeah. of it yeah, with, with the, the dubbed English audio, and it's it's it is kind of it's weird. It's not... It definitely is jarring at first. It's not yeah, it's not terrible. It's just. It's almost like the the emotional connection just isn't there with the dub versus what's happening on screen. Um, so I'd recommend watching. Yeah, it I'd rather read with the subtitles. I, I can't imagine watching something like Parasite with like a dub. But I just think it, it's a genius show, and if if you're into Christopher Nolan and just even the the whole mind bending idea of time travel and and things like that, like people have kind of compared it to Stranger Things. I think it's far and beyond better than Stranger Things, but it's such a captivating show that like every episode you find out something new, but then there's like 10 more questions that you're asking yourself. Uh, Welcome to Film Panic, guys, where we talk about German time travel shows <laughs> in the first five minutes. And I think, <laughs> honestly, I think if, if Nolan actually wanted to push his craft, I think going into series German or, like, time, time <laughs> or German, yeah, or German uh, series would probably do him uh, do him some good. Because I think he, I think that's the biggest, well, one of the biggest things he's missing is kind of that character development that, and, and Dark really kind of has that high concept and like deep character development at the same time. Let's get there. Uh, welcome to welcome to Film Panic. Um, it's normally about things that aren't German, uh, <laughs> normally. But today's uh, well, you're here maybe for the first time. I, we don't really know how we're launching this quite yet. But what Film Panic is is a competitive film podcast. Um, if you're here right now, you probably already know this. But basically, over the next hour, um, my job is to make sure that whatever Frank has to say uh, doesn't connect with you. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 basically a film debate um, where you guys decide who wins. You guys you guys vote at the end of it. Today's host is Jordan. You guys know him for sure. Uh, Jordan will pick a winner as well. He'll pick who he thinks should win at the end of the episode, but that is up to you guys. Every single week, uh, if you guys subscribe to the Patreon, you will get every Film Panic episode two weeks early, except for this one. Uh, um, you'll get it two weeks early, plus you'll get exclusive voting rights. You have to be a member of the Patreon to vote. If you're listening to this on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you are, we love you too, though. If you're here for Frank uh, and you're a fan of Frank and Middle Eight, um, hi. I'm Hello. nerdstalgic. I'm Tyler. Um, I I run nerdstalgic. Jordan runs Electric Pop, and uh, you know who who middle eight is. Um, Frank, you want to take a second to tell people who you are? Sure. Um, so I'm just somebody who loves talking about music and kind of the stories and conflicts that happen behind making some songs or some albums. Just fun stuff talking about music on YouTube. Yes, he's also a huge movie fan, which is why he's here. I know you're wondering right now. Well, how does that fit? Uh, <laughs> Dude knows a lot about movies. Yeah, um, so I've been. He's, I'm, a, I'm probably. A, I was a bigger movie fan before I was a big music fan. At least I think so. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. So today uh, we have a fun one. Jordan, you want to take it away? Yeah. So today we have the big event that everyone's been waiting for. Is Christopher Nolan the director, 
that that everyone is either divisive on or is like, wow, yeah, he's he's the Inception guy. Is this guy <laughs> overrated yes. or not? Is this a director who is is shattering expectations, always bringing something new to the table, always trying to expand his horizons, or is it all, you know, foo foo blah blah, and it's just you know he's overrated. We're gonna find that out today. We have two competitors. If Frank manages to use foo foo blah blah in this argument, I'm gonna give him a win. <laughs> if he fits, if he fits that in there, you know not what? exactly right, you got that. It. But <laughs> anyways, go ahead, Listen, Jordan. Only the finest. I only have the finest dick. Finest mind truth. Yep, the um, finest minds. So we're gonna go ahead and jump into this middle eight. You're coming at this with the stance of that he is overrated. So you're gonna start us off with a ten minute. You know, go in why you think so, and at the same time, Tyler's gonna try to uh, you know counter some points at the same time. I want to say like, this. Well, I want to. Some... I want to. I want to say this really, really quickly before mm-hmm. we start. We went through me and me and Frank went through a lot of options <laughs> for this episode. Some of which, what do we 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 had best best sequel ever? Yeah. Um, something about what La La some La the other Land. ones. There was one something about, about La La Land. La La Land. Yeah. Don't want to which spoil that which one was going to be a bloodbath because anybody that says anything bad about La La Land is not <laughs> <laughs> it's not okay in the head in my opinion. Um, we went through a lot of options, and when Frank, I just want to say this: when Frank said, "Is Christopher Nolan overrated?" I immediately thought he was going to stick me like with the light bulb went off. He's overrated argument, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is." the death of me on film panic but frank <laughs> gladly took the overrated argument i just want to say a lot you got a lot of heart there man. yeah that, that was, was a lot it, <laughs> that like, was some courage it's tough because i i love nolan myself but there's I, like i can see it from a different perspective in, in how right. i guess everybody perceives him well jordan lead us to the mains all right, so after I am done talking, you have 10 minutes on the clock. I will let you know as uh, as your time starts ending up. Uh, okay. And, yeah, you can go ahead and give us your, your, uh, your statements now. All right, so I just want to preface this by saying that I love Christopher Nolan, and that I think <laughs> <laughs> starting off great. And I think all directors, you know, deserve a little more recognition than they actually receive. Like, maybe most directors are probably underrated, but simply because of perspective – Nolan seems overrated. Like, there's no question as to whether or not he's a great filmmaker. But in the 1970s, Spielberg created the blockbuster with Jaws. And I think Nolan created the modern blockbuster with The Dark Knight and Inception. So I credit him for for some of his originality. Um, He created. Thank you for all those points. (laughs) He created quite possibly the greatest rendition of Batman we might ever see. Originals like Inception, Interstellar, with mind-blowing visuals, tickling, uh, brain-tickling concepts. Even his earlier films like Memento, The Prestige, thrilling mysteries that only become better upon rewatching. But he's one of the great directors of the last 20 years. And I, like, I'll say that. But The Dark Knight I and agree. Inception, I think. <laughs> I the, love your main argument so far. <laughs> I think the general movie going audience has overrated his following projects. And I'll start with the IMDb art house sort of argument. Now, okay. I can provide you with a link afterwards, but on IMDb, Nolan is ranked as the top rated director in all of global mani- global cinematic history above Hitchcock, Kubrick, Kurs- Kurosawa, Wells, Coppola. Which is absurd. Spielberg, Admittedly, that's Scors- absurd. <laughs> so literally every other director. And currently on IMDb, The Dark Knight sits at the fourth highest rated film of all time, only preceded by the first two Godfather films in the Shawshank Redemption. Inception sits at 13 above Goodfellas, City of God, and Parasite. Interstellar, Ranks 30th above The Usual Suspects, Back to the Future, Terminator 2, American History X, Psycho, The Departed, even The Prestige. One of the most, one of his more supposed underrated films is above Casablanca, Rear Window, Alien, Apocalypse Now, 
Raiders of the Lost Ark. Some of the archetypes of the cinematic form. I do want to say, I do want to say that that I get the comparison, but I don't think the average film goer even knows mm-hmm. what half those films are. True, true. And that, like, of course, he's overrated in the sense that casual film goers are more likely to name him as their favorite than, say, Paul Thomas Anderson. Sure, but I don't think film fans think that Nolan is, is making better films than Casablanca. No, they don't. But the thing is, that is being pushed into the world on IMDb so that future generations are looking at these lists and thinking, oh, Nolan is, you know, better than some of the directors of the past. Mm-hmm. But I'll continue. <laughs> so you can still be a huge fan of Nolan's work like me, and I'll admit that his rankings, you know, fit the textbook definition of overrated. Um, but I don't think his work surpassed some of the most accomplished, versatile, insightful, and compelling directors who have helped define film over the last hundred years. And I actually don't think Phil, I don't, I don't think Nolan is has the chops to actually ever make a film that will surpass anything from Kubrick or say um, Tarkovsky. Like one that truly tackles philosophy, breaks barriers, and um, truly dives into its themes. And that brings me to Nolan's themes, his high concept but low direction, like I like to call it. So people don't admire Nolan for his direction. I doubt. I call him idea, I call him idea films. Yeah, yeah, high high yeah. idea films. People don't admire Nolan for his direction. Like I doubt Christopher Nolan will ever make anything close to the Matrix in terms of its directorial impact on pop culture. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's an innovative filmmaker in any sense. He just he, he just he's not innovative. The 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 the, the hallway sequence in Inception I, done a, practically. A big, yeah, a big set that just happens to to turn in place. Like I'll give him that. Like that's a, that's but a name pretty name cool. one of the well, name one of the director that's taken the initiative to avoid special effects like that. So something um, that sh- should have, should have been impossible. Should that should have been impossible. George Miller. George Miller's not building a hallway that rotates and has his actors in the middle of it. No, but he's building a whole army of vehicles that Six like, minutes left. are happening in, in one massive visual orchestra. Sure, but it, you know, I could drive a car. No offense to George Miller, but like <laughs> there's a different there's a different there's a different bit of ingenuity going on when you have to figure out how to make a hallway that rotates and then film it practically. But go ahead, go ahead. So I wouldn't say he's an innovative filmmaker. But he does have a fetish for complex ideas that are superficially surface level touched on. Like, yes, his films challenge us intellectually and pose theories about the plausibility of it all, but he doesn't have any style. The visual aspects of his movies and his camera work is too static and boring. There's no creative camera technique. It's just there to record what is happening. Like, I don't, I don't look at his films and his directing and everything. That's so Nolan. Like, that's such, a, that's such a Nolan shot. Yet, I can do that for Tarantino and his trunk shots. I can do that with Wes Anderson and his symmetry and color, Scorsese with his tracking shots, even Zack Snyder. I disagree. Even but, Zack but Snyder has slow mo and speed wrapping shots. I don't. I don't know if. I don't know if. I don't know if stylistic consistency is necessarily a mark of a good filmmaker in the first place. But, but I, I see what you mean. Like mm-hmm. I, I, seeing the same thing over and over again doesn't make me go, oh shit, that's great. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. This all kind of just leads into the idea that Christopher Nolan, great director, best of all time, but like like IMDb tries to portray him and the general movie-going audience, no, he's overrated. But let's look at Inception. Very cool concept. Guys in suits know how to hack into people's dreams. A rich guy wants them to plant the idea <laughs> in his corporate competitor's mind and in exchange of father... work at marketing. <laughs> a father gets to see his kid again. It's a simple adventure movie with a romantic tragedy. But Nolan has a hard time translating his high concepts into art. Like, we're, we're going into people's dreams where anything can happen. But you know how Nolan tackles what should be a psychedelic journey? 
How? You tell me. <laughs> with three <laughs> with three action set pieces happening at the same time. That's all Inception is. The layers of the dream world serve no purpose other than to have separate timelines. Those sequences are all grounded in what might as well be the real world. Like Nolan, for his own words, shouldn't be afraid to dream a little bit bigger. Now, something similar happened with Interstellar. I, I, I do want to say I think I think saying Inception is dreaming too small. Yeah, is is a reach. Yeah, I but will say that it is. Interstellar is one of the most innovative. At least the, one of the most interesting ideas we've seen in a blockbuster mm-hmm. in a very long time. And even then, with that, he tried to visualize and film essentially the unfilmable. And, and I think he did it. And I I disagree. I think his okay. direction, like, if for, for most of his movies, never seemed to serve as a story. If anything, they kind of detract from what could be. Considering- so, so let's use Interstellar. So let's use Interstellar then, right? Okay. So let's take, take the, the moment that splits that film in half, which is Coop gets back on the ship. Mm-hmm. After being on that planet, what ends up being 23 hours, and he has all these video messages. The easy thing to do Three would minutes. have been what? It would have been to turn the camera around and show the video messages, right? And, mm-hmm. and have the impact be from those characters. But what does he do? He takes that Spielbergian approach. He turns it around. He focuses on McConaughey. He forces McConaughey to act. And we get the impact from him, mm-hmm. not what's being said from him. He doesn't say a word for three minutes. I don't doubt that. Nolan has his moments. But, I again, I just don't think his film consistently do that. Okay. I think he's gotten better. I think Dunkirk is probably like the biggest example of Nolan kind of coming into his own and, and trying something new. And and this okay. just this even goes back to the Dark Knight. Like I don't even think the Dark Knight wasn't great because of Nolan's directing. The Dark Knight was was brilliant because of Heath Ledger's performance. <laughs> it was the Joker That's a part of it. It was the Joker who made that movie excellent. Like Ledger's performance and his untimely death added to the legacy of that movie. But it was Heath I, 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 I do disagree with that, but I see what you're saying. It was I, I do understand that opinion. It was Heath who influenced how cinema would address villains for the next 10 years, not Nolan. I wrote a whole – you're barking up the wrong tree on that one. <laughs> I wrote a whole 10-minute video about the direction of that film. Um, but, yeah, go ahead. And I, I think I'm running out of time, but I'll close on this one. It's, I'm, Two I'm, minutes. I'm going to call it the other Nolan argument. So we've been so focused on whether or not Christopher Nolan is overrated that we haven't spoken about the other Nolan Jonathan Nolan. He's responsible for creating mm-hmm. and writing television shows like Westworld, yep. Person of Interest. And I don't know about you, but what has amazed me most about Nolan's films are the screenplays. So let me just go through some of these writing credits here. So Inception and Dunkirk are the only two films in which Nolan was the sole screenwriter. Memento was a short story written by Jonathan Nolan. It's worth pointing out, I think Dunkirk might be his best movie, but go ahead. The Prestige, co-written with Jonathan Nolan. He's actually the one who came up with the twist in Prestige. Spoilers. Yep. The Dark Knight, co-written with Jonathan Nolan. The Dark Knight Rises, co-written with Jonathan Nolan. Interstellar, co-written with Jonathan Nolan. Now, considering his brother is doing most of the work and Nolan leaves a lot to be desired on screen, what exactly is Nolan getting all this praise for? I think I, th- I think we're making some big assumptions <laughs> about Nolan's role as a writer. If it. Nolan can write Dunkirk, I find it hard to believe he's not pulling his weight on something. But like then this again, session. I have I have a whole other argument for Dunkirk too. But I think I think Chris Nolan gets a lot of attention for what his brother has helped him achieve. I think I think did Jonathan you, did Nolan you, have, have you is seen underrated. Interstellar recently? Um, but like we would probably there's, say about a year a ago. There's a sequence. There's a sequence on the first planet that is maybe one of the best articulated moments of suspense I have seen in a sci-fi film since 2001, where we know the stakes very clearly. We know that every minute they spend on this planet is 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 time wasted. Years go by, mm-hmm. and so we have this moment where they're on this planet, and Nolan lets it sit and sit 
and sit and we think everything's fine. Yeah, maybe they died, no big deal. And then we see it. What we see in that sequence is maybe one of the most visually interesting moments <laughs> I have seen in a movie in years. That, the massive tsunami, the size of skyscrapers coming. I mean, I have not I have not been in awe in that way since, really. Again. Since. I, Great. And that's all Nolan. That's not that's I not Jonathan say, Nolan. I would no, it's not it's not just Jonathan Jonathan Nolan. But I think Jonathan Nolan That is Christopher Nolan. No, it's not Christopher Nolan. It's actually cinematographer Wally Pfister. It's not cinematography. <laughs> it's easy it's easy to do that, right? It's easy to go, let me take everybody else working on this film and say it's them and not him. It's see, really, really easy to do that. To way, devalue can, the director. We see, can I, jump into that here into the, uh, yeah, into let's, the five go minutes ahead. of the uh, the back and forth counter arguments. I do just quickly want to say this that I kind of have a point uh, attacking both of you here on something <laughs> here. So I, I'm making it pretty fair. Uh, one, um, when you say dream a little bigger for Inception, the whole plan and why it is that way is because the movie is set to make it look like it's real life to confuse the guy. Mm-hmm. That's the whole reason it's not a dreamlike But I mean, no. Yeah, okay, I get that. But nobody's so dreams are just of Sure, and that's why there are day. some weird moments. But yeah, to be fair, it could be weirder, but the whole point was to make it real. The other thing is Inception wasn't the first to do the rolling hallway thing practically. Uh-huh. Uh, two years no, earlier before that, Correct. it was High School Musical 3, 2008. So. <laughs> get out of here. No, so, no, no, it's I not. I just wanted it's to not. say that. All right, five minutes uh, discussion, counter-arguments start now. Just, just to be clear, Nolan was the first to do that. It was not High School Musical 3. <laughs> High School Musical 3 did I, it in 2008. I think, I think part of the, part, the, one of the bigger problems I have with your argument, Frank, is that it's just it's, it's so focused on, especially towards the end, they're devaluing Nolan as a director. Well, cause there's, and it's really, there's it's really easy way. to do. Mm-hmm. You can say it with every filmmaker, though, right? Denny Villeneuve, that's Roger Deakins, mm-hmm. right? You, you know, you can, you can pick out anybody you want and say, oh, it's a cinematographer. Oh, it's this. You know, Terrence Malick can't make films. It's just Chivo that's doing all the work. You can you can say that all you want. A cinematographer's job is to visualize, utilize that camera, utilize the tools at their disposal to make the director's vision a reality, right? Of course. So without that vision, you don't have a cinematographer. But who's right? to say Chris you, Nolan is the only visionary when his brother is co-writing, co-writing this, the majority who, but, of his scripts? But, but, but where are the facts that say Jonathan Nolan is, 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 is the only guy with an idea? So who's to right? say that Christopher Nolan's like Christopher right, Nolan's but, just but, 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 but now we're basing But now we're basing an argument on what ifs, mm-hmm. right? We don't, we don't know, right? So, but what I, what I can certainly guarantee you is if you handed Jonathan Nolan Inception and said direct it, it would be a lot lesser of a film. Perhaps I can I can tell you I can tell you that right yeah, now. What, no I, what doubt. I also want to say, Christopher Nolan. What I also want to say is, he's you know, a fantastic it, director. It's just I don't think he's overrated. I don't think the I know you use the IMDb argument. I think that's a little flawed of an argument. I don't think the casual film fan or film goer thinks that he's the best filmmaker of all. time. I don't think anybody thinks he's the best filmmaker of all time. I, I don't, I've I'd, never. I there are that probably too. some people on the corner of the internet that's that say Christopher Nolan's the greatest of all time, but nobody that is a real film fan is, is, is I, I think, sitting there saying things. And I really don't think that many casual film fans even know what a director does, right? I don't think a bunch of people are sitting around going, look at Nolan's direction there after they just left the new Looney Tunes <laughs> Exactly. Movie. They're all like, just owing it up to anything Christopher Nolan is magic. And the same sort of sure, thing but, happened but, but with the same Dunker. logic, I don't know that he needs to surpass people like Kubrick or Tarkovsky. Like, no. well, I, I, don't, I don't think that that makes – I don't think uh, – He's not making the same kind of movies, think, right? You could argue – And you could argue that – Go ahead, go ahead, Frank. I think I think just a lot of the movie-going audience relies, on, like, even on Rotten Tomatoes, even when it comes to box office uh, numbers. When people see these things, they start to assume that Christopher Nolan is the be-all, end-all. But like, he is doing something better than everybody else, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. He's he has... taking the modern blockbuster just exactly. very seriously. 
Exactly. And so how can you take someone that, you know, it's hard, right? You take someone that's doing something the best and then you call them overrated. Yeah. The argument isn't whether or not Christopher Nolan is a bad filmmaker because he's not. The The question no. is that in the general consensus, uh, the general but film goer's mind, he is overrated. But I think he gives respect for being, he for is being that guy, right? I don't, I don't think, I don't think the, the people that are saying Christopher Nolan is so great are the same people watching Marriage Story before they have that argument, right? <laughs> so it's, but then again, it's one of those things. The majority of people will I, tell you that most of his filmography is probably better than the marriage story a marriage story well let's let's move back well that's a whole different argument they're just different kind of films apples and oranges but let's move past the kind of conceit of the conversation you you mentioned that you didn't think christopher nolan had style Mm -hmm. because he didn't utilize the camera in a way that is recognizably consistent which i think is just christopher nolan absolutely has a style it's in his scope right Christopher Nolan's style, you're right, isn't really in how he utilizes the camera as a tool. It's really in how he utilizes ideas as a tool. That is his style, mm-hmm. right? His style is in how he visualizes, not necessarily consistently with the same thing over and over. We had this conversation with Karsten last week where it's like one of my complaints about Wes Anderson is that we're seeing the same thing over and over again, right? Yeah. And it's great to have a style and to be very singular in vision, but at the same time, eventually it's like, Jesus Christ, all right, I have seen this before. Yeah. Like, but you I know say, I'm watching a Wes Anderson movie. But you wouldn't now, say the I will same say this. for Christopher Nolan, though? With his films and how, like, he almost Absolutely throws in not. a twist. If, if I sit down and watch just... Interstellar and then I watch Dunkirk, I do not feel like I'm even watching the same director. But, but the thing is, like, he, the, the same sort of thing happens with Dunkirk where he just takes a linear story and decides to just throw a gimmick into it and make it non-linear to match his But is that films. a gimmick, though? I mean, because in by, a way, by, he doesn't, by that logic, he doesn't Eternal always, Sunshine is it has a gimmick. Well, he and doesn't by that always, logic, he doesn't always use his twists. Like he he uses his twists more for shock and awe, not necessarily to like see the I don't consequences think of does. his twists. I don't, I don't I don't think that's true in Dunkirk. Do you? Uh, it's a little different in Dunkirk. I feel like Dunkirk is a whole separate argument. Thirty seconds. I, I think I think you know. Let's let's talk about let's let's talk about Dunkirk real sure. quick because you know. Um, we didn't talk about him a lot just now, and I kind of understand why, because the truth is, and we're in a debate here, I mean, the truth is it doesn't, it's not a great film to say Christopher Nolan's overrated with, right? Um, because I think it is very clearly the most filmic, um, grounded experience that Nolan has created since maybe, um, Jesus, I don't know, uh, insomnia maybe I, I i don't know it's 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 been a while since nolan has grounded something this legitimately and i think it it it's 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 hard to argue that he hasn't once again created a film where you're taking a traditional genre it's a it's a genre film right it's yeah. a war movie right and elevated that beyond what we're used to seeing with genre films i still think it's overrated right? i still think dunkirk's overrated do you really? Yeah, I think I think I would have appreciated that movie much more had I gone to the theater not being told it was incredible and the greatest war movie ever made. So I, you think that every one of Nolan's films are overrated? I think his movies like post The Dark Knight have been overrated. You think The Dark Knight is overrated? I think The Dark I like I said before, I think The Dark Knight was great because of Heath Ledger. I think Heath Ledger's death kind of pushed it a little bit higher i I spent 10 minutes making a video on nostalgic that talks about just how (laughs) how much influence nolan has over that sequence in his directing the and i don't know if you saw that video or not but the 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 power with which he gives heath ledger in that scene Mm. it's it's from step one of him entering that scene the way he shifts power and control throughout that sequence three times not just to heath but to the gangsters 
to the TV Lau, then to Heath. I mean, there's so much going on in The Dark Knight to say. And I understand Keith Ledger's performance, this this very kind of, I don't know, uh, coda, if you will, for his life, mm-hmm. is is easy to point to and say, like, that's what was most amazing. And I don't disagree that that's what most is, was most amazing. But I do think that had you given Heath Ledger's Joker to David Ayer, you would not have The Dark Knight. But now say, right? say this. The, yeah, of course. Christopher Nolan, I think, created like probably the most realistic, grounded version of Batman that we've seen on screen. But because of that, when The Dark Knight Rises released, that all of a sudden became... One of his weaker films. Yeah, exactly. But it automatically became, again, one of the... At the, at the time, one of the highest rated um, comic book films as well. Like right next to The Dark Knight. And I don't think it, I don't think it deserved I, as much praise as it got when it released at that time, because rises it, it, or night. Sorry, what? Rises or night. Rises. Oh, yeah. I, I don't, didn't even know it got praise. I, I didn't think people liked that movie very much. It did. It was lo- it was long. I think the majority of people could uh, kind of agree that it was long. But uh, by the end of it, everybody just was so hyped up on what the Dark Knight was and what Inception was that by the time they returned to the box office for the Dark Knight Rises, it uh, like people automatically just assumed that it was gold. Because Nolan directed it. Well, that's that's it from my counter. <laughs> I think we thoroughly got that one in there. <laughs> Jordan, you want to uh, take it away? Yeah. So now it is Tyler's turn with 10 minutes on the clock to, to fully go into why Christopher Nolan is not overrated. <laughs> and uh, then we'll see where we're at for the counters after we hear all of this <laughs> as someone who is, uh, as Tyler said, he's made videos discussing uh, about why certain things aren't overrated and what they truly mean Um, so this is going to be very interesting so let's go ahead and hear your 10 minutes on the clock start now yeah i want to start by kind of just refining this conceit or giving a, a reduction of this conversation to begin with i don't think that i think the conversation really is is nolan getting the respect that he deserves not is nolan the top filmmaker on imdb or does he deserve that spot i think those are much more kind of you know, hype conversations. And I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in, does Nolan deserve to be talked about as one of the great filmmakers of our time? And I think he does. Um, he is a blockbuster director that I think for the first time in a while understands and really respects his audience. And he has redefined and reintroduced the blockbuster. He is that guy. What's remarkable, I think, about Nolan's work is it's all very fluent in what people believe are two very different languages of film the casual saturday matinee audience the guy that sees one movie a year and the analytical film guy that goes to every movie and has these conversations Mm -hmm. and i think a part of his fluency in those conversations is is in his wrists he is and you touched on this i think he is a a a, a kind of an auteur of non-linear storytelling in a way memento is a total mess on the surface, but is an entertaining mess that, should you give it the time, reveals itself as an incredibly intelligent film. Dunkirk plays with time, like you mentioned, in an even more interesting way. It is a war movie. It's a genre piece that breaks the rules of focus you normally see in war movies, Mm. which is a risk by tearing time apart, widening the scope to three very separate stories that all operate within the same constraints but on different clocks. Would be, I guess, one way to articulate it, but one story takes place over days, one over 24 hours, one over just an hour, in theory, that should be confusing to the viewer. That should remove some of the personal grounded nature of a war film. And here, I think it's Ted Nolan creates something unique that works just as well. And there's this kind of strange filmic rebellion across all of his work. I don't think he's thinking inside the same boxes that other filmmakers are. Sure, 
he's not shy about effects work and CG, but he is also the guy spending money in the face of studio pressure to do as much practically as he can. He's shooting on film. He's trying to make things that seem impossible work. The hallway scene that we talked about in Inception is done entirely practically using a massive centrifuge to control a rolling hallway that they built from the ground up to function as it does in the movie. I think when you're talking about whether or not a filmmaker has earned the respect they're given, it is worth mentioning just mentioning just how much they're willing to innovate, to experiment in their work. And he does all this while remaining the guy that's preserving working with film, which I think is exceptional because that's what great filmmakers do. They change the game while being rooted in some way in tradition. I mean, you want a very real strange example of this. Nolan drowns his dialogue, as he puts it, often. He'll do this all the time. You probably noticed it before when you watch his movies. You you won't be able to hear certain things be said in, in, in because there's background yeah, noise that's drowning that's them out. Taking it up. That's intentional. Because as he says, I don't agree with the idea that you can only achieve clarity through dialogue, clarity of story, of emotions. I try to achieve that in a layered way using all sensory tools in a film. Name one other director of this scope thinking about film that way. Tearing apart even what it means to deliver dialogue. And I'll get back to that. But I want to acknowledge one thing that he's doing that people also don't talk about enough, I think. Which is something you touched on as a fault. Hmm. Right? And I don't think it is at all. He is writing these screenwriters, co-writing them with Jonathan, with Jonathan and his, his brother. Mm-hmm. This is important because it gives him substantially more control and understanding of and over the production. People say it all the time. Actually, say it all the time. The best directors are the ones that have written the movie yeah. because they understand these characters better. And the best person to bring a script to screen is the person that wrote it. But even then, I don't He's, think Nolan even understands his own characters. Because, like, uh, genuine question. I don't think Nolan's focused on characters. Yeah. I, like, I don't think and, he is at all. And, and look, these these screenplays are not Sophie's Choice or Trolls either. I mean, the, inscri- the Inception screenplay that we talked about, in theory, just shouldn't work. Mm. It shouldn't work. The plot on the surface is convoluted. Six minutes it's left. confusing. It's even unwieldy. And yet Nolan, the Nolan's script, reigns all of that in, keeps it focused. That movie is a screenwriter's nightmare, and yet he pulls it off. It's not just a screenwriter's nightmare. It's a director's nightmare. You name me one other director outside of Art House, outside of people like Denny. I mean, blockbuster director. That could pull off Inception the same way Nolan did. But Inception is just I don't, one big... It's just exposition. Like, every character is essentially just shouting exposition for the entire runtime. And like, Sure, but you... you, you, you I guess, but... At, he puts at, at everything point, on the table, and it just astounds the moviegoer because we think there's so much there. But when you actually dig deeper... But there deeper, is a lot there. No, when you actually dig deeper into his films, there's not much more there. Like, the, the plots of his movies are all look more layered than they actually are. Like if you I, genuine, I, mean, I, genuine think, I think that's I think that's probably the worst movie to use that in because the entire movie is predicated on its layers. So, well, okay. If there's so many layers, can you tell me any of the characters' motivations in the film other than Cobb and Sato's? Sure, but but again, you're 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 approaching it as if the only job of Christopher Nolan is to write characters. No, it's not. Right? But it's a film. It's where not. He's a blockbuster director. He's where he, he's, an, is, he's an idea director. Yeah, where narrative oh, is probably but, his okay, biggest let's, thing. Let's okay. Let's look at Kubrick. Right. What what the he- what the hell is the motivation in The Shining? <laughs> exactly. To all exactly. work, no you, play. Exactly. Makes. So you don't necessarily need to motivate a character to have a great film. You don't even need to know motivate them thoroughly. But there he is motivated. In- he is motivated by the fact that like he's going insane. We don't even know what he's motivated by. We don't know why he's going insane. We don't know what's happening. We can assume it's the spirits or whatever. But let's we can get to Kubrick another time. But yeah, when you <laughs> have the a, point, when you have a heist movie or a that, mind heist movie where. The, the end goal is to achieve something. The only person getting something out of this whole thing was Cobb. 
and maybe Sato. Sure, who, but like other than that, sure. Every but you'd have to make a lot there. bigger of an argument that that's that's enough of a problem to destroy every every other element of this film that works. But anyways, even even, even okay, let's look at Prestige, right? Mm-hmm. A movie with layers, a movie that some have called Nolan's own magic trick on his audience is on paper messy. There mm-hmm. are multiple twists, momentary intricacies that just don't make sense on paper that shift the way the entire film plays out, and all at once is predicated on the audience not getting out ahead of the script, mm-hmm. and yet. Jonathan and Christopher Nolan's script, in my opinion, lands that plane as well. I have not, I have not had a single person watch Prestige and tell me that that movie is not incredible. Not a single person. And there's a reason for that. Those characters are motivated. Their motivations are clear. If you want to talk about Christopher Nolan not being able to write characters, those are two characters that I understand wholeheartedly. I those mean, are two characters that are extremely well characterized. Yeah, that's. I mean, and that's for the people who can actually get through the film. Like, there's a majority of people who don't really care about what's happening. Like outside. Sure, but that's any film. You have to. There has to be intrigue. Sure, there sure. are a lot of people that don't like The Shining, right? To go back to that. But you want to talk about whether or not Nolan's overrated, which is what we're doing. Well, you are going to have Three to minutes. tell me that both Nolan, the writer, and Nolan, the director, aren't up to par. You're going to have to prove that to me. Mm-hmm. And and this writing directing approach is rarely done with blockbusters. That's just the truth. It's it's rarely done. You rarely have a blockbuster where where the director is is has any hand in the script. And I think that does deserve some modicum or modicum of success, um, and respect. But Let's be honest here. We're not here for that conversation, right? We're mm-hmm. talking about Nolan being overrated. So I'll pose a simple question. Name a better superhero movie than The Dark Knight. Iron Man? Okay. Guardians name, of the name, Galaxy? <laughs> uh, Iron Man is better than The Dark Knight? I mean, you like they're different films. On. You have to look at them at different fil- as different films. It, it, do you know? Name a, name a better movie about magic than The Prestige. Uh, Doctor Strange. <laughs> Really, we're going. You're telling me that Doctor Strange is a better movie than The Prestige? Magic film? Come on, come on. I don't know. What's a magic film? I do. I can name a plenty. Now you see me. Yeah, there's all sorts of <laughs> magic. Yeah. Na- name a better name a better movie about memory, which is a surprisingly large group of movies than Memento. Than Memento. No, yeah. Again, like I'm not going to argue with you on the fact that whether or not so, his so, concepts so if are Nolan great. Is, if Nolan is, but it's not his concepts. Name better movies. If he's going, if he's attacking all of these genres, if he's attacking all these ideas, and he's making them better than everybody else, it's hard to argue that he's not doing what he's doing in a way that deserves respect. And that's not to say that there aren't genuinely reasonable answers to those questions. There mm-hmm. are, of course. But the point is that what makes answering them hard is that Nolan has transformed and innovated on these two different kinds of films. And I'd argue that two of the bigger ones are superhero movies in the blockbuster. Yeah. Interstellar, Inception, these movies would never have been given a chance by studios in the 90s or 80s. Never a chance. They're too subversive and in some ways substantially more intelligent than studios usually give audiences credit for, which I think is ridiculous, but that's not the point. And in turn, Nolan's films in particular, like we talked about, have really reimagined the blockbuster as more nuanced, heady films that require more engagement. Um, and as movies that don't ask you to turn your brain off to engage with them. Yeah. And if you look, let's talk about The Dark Knight really, really quickly. Dude really hasn't missed all that much. When The Dark Knight trilogy kicked off with The Batman Begins, superhero movies were not really in the zeitgeist of film conversation. The X-Men movies were great for the most part, but they didn't change the perception that movies like the two Fantastic Four films and Green Lantern created about the genre. In fact, it was really hard 
to even consider it a genre at all at the time. There were movies that people didn't take very seriously. That's what they were. There yeah. was this perception they were mainly fluff and that they lacked any real value. And it's hard to argue that Nolan didn't just innovate on and subvert the superhero film, but he really played a large part in the respect people now have for them. Dark Knight dropped in 08, the same year as Iron Man, by the way. Yeah. And it was it was the revelation. Iron Man was the The Dark Knight was. The Dark Knight shifted the conversation. Suddenly, superhero movies could be Oscar contenders. Suddenly, there could be political commentary in a superhero film. There could be substance. And suddenly, that's what movies <laughs> were expected to do. And where movies like The Rise of the Silver Surfer were fluff pieces of popcorn action, The Dark Knight was, in my opinion, an expertly crafted film, stuffed with political subtext, grounded in a conversation about the order that humans thrive off of, and in what context that may or may not be healthy. Iron Man was great, right? It's a good movie, but it's hard to argue that the MCU in its entirety, wasn't built on the roof of the house that Nolan built with The Dark Knight. He changed the expectation for what these movies were. And Marvel kind of feasted off that excitement. I, I, I mean, mean it, I'd, it, even I, go, I'd even put it back to the original Spider-Man trilogy. Even yes, being that's what, true. Yep. Even Sam Raimi what, did. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yep, even being, agreed. And like, yeah, again, like even the X-Men movies kind of what Nolan kind of built his world around too. Just that ground. Yeah, and X2 was really good, by the way. <laughs> Sorry? X, X2, X2 is a really good film, by the way. Oh, yeah, it is. I, I, yeah. I loved it. The whole Nightcrawler opening scene. Amazing. Oh, my God. So good. Anyways, Jordan, take it away. All right. So that was the end of your full main argument. Now we're going to move on to another five minutes of being able to kind of combat that. Uh, so go ahead into a full discussion whenever you're ready. Five minutes on the clock. So I just want to kind of come back to, like, your writing. And I think about Nolan's writing. I, I, I do think that his scripts are strong in terms of their ideas. And yeah, he isn't doing, he isn't presenting these original ideas in Hollywood like anybody else is doing it. Because everything is sequels, everything is franchises, whereas we yep. have Christopher Nolan who comes in and is creating these original films. But even then, the dialogue in Nolan's films are pretty weak. Like he has- Wait, you have to pick a team though. You have to pick a team though. Either Nolan is not playing a big hand in these scripts or he is. Uh, so when he's Remember co-writing, <laughs> when he's co-writing these scripts with his brother, <laughs> he has a lot of trouble making his characters act like real people. And like we going back to even what the motivations of some of these characters are. And you're but right. Is that and, Jonathan's fault and, or is that Christopher's fault? Who knows? We don't like we don't know that. <laughs> but at the same time, like when you're writing a complete film with characters that are supposed to be deep or themes that are actually supposed to be deep, like they just aren't there. Like it. I agree. Nolan tends to to say what he means rather than show what he means with most of his movies. Nolan is Nolan is not about Nolan does is if there's one complaint I agree with about Nolan it's that he it's not that he writes bad characters. Again, I think the the characterizations of prestige are incredible. I think even in Dunkirk he does a great job. It's it's more that he just isn't focused on character. Yeah. And it's not even that he's doing it poorly. I don't know that he cares all that much about character. Um and you could say the same thing about people like Kubrick. Now, I want to be very careful here. I do not think Nolan is as good of a filmmaker as Kubrick. I'm not making that argument at all. <laughs> I'm just saying that there's a similar kind of coldness and um, kind of detachment that both of these filmmakers treat their characters with. Yeah. And, like, again, I think his I think his ideas are great. They just kind of lack substance. Like, a lot of his stuff is pretty surface-level things that we feel smarter while watching and we think it's smarter than it actually is. But... A lot of it is. I, I will point out that that there's that there is one of the most world-renowned physicists. Yeah, that um, have worked on the film. Script yeah. supervising Interstellar. Yeah, like yeah. there's visually Interstellar. Remarkable. Interstellar's maybe, and it depends on how you feel about it. I think he does a good job of articulating. Someone who has a huge interest in physics, like I do, I think it's just 
he does a great job of articulating some of these ideas that are that are hard to grasp maybe if you're, you're you have no exposure to physics at all or mm. space yeah <laughs> and the, the, the theories the, and string a, theory and yeah, all these things piece of paper but with I, the, I, the pen through it <laughs> exactly i do think he i do think that's a good example of, of nolan understanding of once again understanding his audience look yeah. i don't need to bang this down your down your throat but i am going to give Two you a really left. quick articulate way of describing something that is hard it's easy to say that nolan's films aren't as smart as you think they are mm. but there's a lot of very sound and very interesting scientific theory in interstellar yeah no doubt a lot and if you really dig deep into interstellar and you start looking past it there's a lot of conversation about string theory wormholes black holes how time and relativity works nolan's not exactly an idiot you know what i mean when it comes to how he presents these ideas i i i struggle to kind of agree with the fact that he's there's no substance to these ideas. I'd say they're just very, they're very surface level. I think the, like, you can dive into them as much as you want, but it's kind of whatever is on screen is kind of what you're getting. Like, there's not much deeper than that. So you don't think that there's, there's any subtext in his films? Um, I don't want to say no. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> because... I, I think there's. I just, a, you can you can look at Interstellar and Dunkirk and you see movies that that. I just wouldn't say there's Nolan's, like, Nolan's heart is on his sleeve in Interstellar. I just wouldn't he, say there's like endless symbolism or like nuance to his films. Like I don't know that there needs to be symbolism, but I, in Interstellar, if we're, since we keep talking about it, he, Nolan has something to say mm. about humanity, about how we treat our planet, about. Uh, what it is that 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 makes us human and i think that's what right? he does i think that's what most of his films are is where he really focuses on kind of that connection with humanity and that's why sometimes i think his his writing but is very basic substance. and simple but there's your substance but that's not like what i mean is his scripts don't have substance they all like they're always usually very simple because they were they're just trying to relate to one grand idea which is essentially i, I think like, i would i would argue that that would that that, that the grand idea immediately makes it hard to call the script simple, right? I, I, I know for a fact that you hand a lot of these movies to other directors working on blockbusters, people like David Ayer, people like Zack Snyder, and they're not making Interstellar. Mm. They're not making Inception. They're not even making Dunkirk, right? <laughs> they're, they're, not, they're not making Memento. These are movies. I think I've never heard – I honestly – I've never really seen anybody complain about his, about about the the films being too simple, mm. right? I think it's easy to, to say that because I think it's easy to say that about anything, right? Like, I don't want to I don't want to continue to throw out random examples, but if I'm going to look at something like "Call Me by Your Name" by Luca Guadagnino, right, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite films of all time, there's there's not really any subtext there. Right, there's there's not there's not really any complexity to these ideas, right? And it doesn't make the film any less phenomenal, right? The, the idea that an idea film is bad because it's an idea film kind of defeats the conceit of what a movie is in the first place. A movie doesn't need to be complex to be great, right? Okay, I'll agree with you. on I that. I mean, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't need to be this this for lack of a better phraseology mind fuck <laughs> to be to be great right i can sit down and watch because we spoke about it a noah bumback film and be like well damn why didn't she turn into an alien at the end like, i don't understand <laughs> like i don't i don't i don't i don't need that i guess is what i'm saying and and 
and I I don't I wouldn't even agree that Nolan's doing a bad job of that, either, right? No. I think I don't I don't think his his scripts are simple. I think his scripts are as unwieldy and unfilmable as you could possibly imagine. But again, and the fact that Nolan, he is a director, Nolan doesn't Nolan doesn't do any of this on his own. And like I I do think yeah like no Nolan, filmmaker does any of this. Nolan on kind own. of coordinating all of this fantastic but nolan does not do it on his own and but I that's think, what a director is but i think but i think the way the internet looks at him as a director the fact that we even know his name that's fair the fact that we even know his name like kind of like if if you had asked anybody who taika watiti was prior to thor, thor. ragnarok yeah. like nobody would have known uh I, hunt for the wilderness. i think i think the conversation that's fair i think the conversation here is is he getting too much respect and i think the answer is no mm-hmm. um but I think that's time on counters. <laughs> I think, I think the Jordan, am I right? Oh, I said time like two minutes ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Jordan, you got it. All right, so we've heard from both sides. We've heard the counter arguments from both sides, but now it's time for everyone's favorite part, the two-minute crunch known as film panic. This is panic time right now two minute arguments to fully wrap up your final statements no interruptions two minutes just all to yourself and no more than two minutes at that when i when i say time it's time all right all right, <laughs> going all right. so am i first so you'll be on the board first yes so i'm gonna get the timer ready and uh whenever you're ready let's hit it two minutes all right so again going back to the imdb art house argument how can all of Nolan's films possibly be ranked this high? It's just the internet culture is putting Christopher Nolan too high on a pedestal. Fantastic director, but I don't think any of his films are as are, are seen as better films as some of the greats of all time. Again, some of his concepts are really heady, but I still think that they're pretty surface level. He doesn't really dive too deep into a lot of his mindfuck themes. Um, his dialogue tends to be pretty weak, but again, like you said, he doesn't really focus on character as much, but again, just the movies don't have that. But I think what we can agree on though, is that he is kind of just the right man at the right time. Like, I don't think Chris, I I don't think he's great, but I think he's just the right man at the right time. Like art cinema and films that dove deep into character development were thriving in the early 2000s, like Lost in Translation, uh, Old Boy. My favorite movie. One of my favorite movies. But they were they were artsy, and the general public didn't like that stuff. So blockbusters and action films were like their movie of choice. Fast and Furious, uh, Rush Hour 2. Like these were films that weren't very clever, and their plots were super predictable. And then enter Christopher Nolan, who knew how to please both audiences, using great narrative and trying to you know have some deep character development in there. But in reality, he's just taking the blockbuster very seriously. I, I think his I think his films, if we look back at them in another 20 years, we'll just see that they were bland, generic blockbusters. And we'll all be praising the new hotshot director who makes us feel smarter than we actually are in another 20 years or so. Uh, I just want to say that's what everybody said about Spielberg. <laughs> and, but like we're, and, but that's, that's the thing. Like Not that Spielberg's disappearing, but I think Spielberg is... He's old. Yeah, he's just old. He, like, he's, he's past his prime. And I think, but no one's going. Jaws sucks. <laughs> no, of course not. But I, I don't think anybody's saying, "Oh, Jaws is still one of the best movies I've ever seen." Jordan. Yeah. You want to say it? I like Jaws a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but but put it this way: all of Nolan's films are probably higher rated on IMDb than Jaws. So, according to all of Nolan's fans, all of his films are better than Jaws. Am I up? Uh, yep, yeah, it's going to be your turn. Two minutes on the clock whenever you're ready. 
I just think, for starters, I think it's just we're looking at this in some ways in, in juxtaposing fashions. To me, I don't I don't really care about IMDb or any of the internet crap. According to IMDb, you know, Suicide Squad it needs a new cut because because David Ayer has a has one in his back pocket that's better than anything you've ever seen. And I don't even hate Suicide Squad all that much. I don't know why I <laughs> latched onto that, but Oscar I think Whitting, for me it's a, Suicide Squad. yeah for me it's about um, really what Nolan what Nolan is in terms of respect, right? I think Nolan gets the respect he deserves. I do think he deserves respect. And I want to close this by talking about something really important to me, and I think important to a lot of people watching this, which is Nolan's really passionate about film and the tradition of film and the art of film. And he is one of the only people banging out blockbusters, shooting on 35 millimeters, shooting on 70 millimeters, shooting on film. Even when it makes a lot more sense to do things digitally, he's still not that guy. And as much as studios have, and they have tried to push him towards CG and green screen effects because they're a lot cheaper, he is still the guy doing as much as he can practically, flying to locations to shoot Arctic scenes, building the hallways. He's that guy. He cares about movies in a way that you don't see a lot of other people care about. And, and, and with that, I think he is lifting the blockbuster out of kind of, again, that fluency. He's the guy that knows that there are two conversations happening and how to bring those two conversations to this mutual place. And because of that, he is lifting, I think, film as a whole in, in a way up. Uh, and he's introducing audiences to to maybe what art house can be outside of his films. He's introducing audiences to how much film has to offer outside of things like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. Not that those movies are bad, but mm -hmm. I think you understand what I mean. Of course. He's, he's focused on making sure that he respects the people watching his movies. And in turn, I think he's introducing people to uh, film they might not otherwise enjoy or think they might enjoy. Beautiful. I, 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 I knew I started too much. I knew I started too much with the <laughs> with explaining the conceit. <laughs> I knew it. Jordan, you're up, man. What do you think? Whose argument wins today? So, again, I want this <laughs> but, and to wait, be first, known. Yes, go ahead. You're, I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. Yeah. This, uh, my opinions, whatever from what I'm hearing, just, it does, it's not supposed to influence you. It's just my opinions. This all matters to you guys voting on the Patreon, who you think had the better argument and what you vote for there. This is just my thoughts here on it. I think that uh, both sides here gave some very good arguments uh, for, for is he overrated? Is he not overrated? I, I think I ultimately fall in the camp uh, with Tyler that he's not overrated. I, I do think there's a lot of stuff in his work that really shows that he isn't, uh, whether it's behind screen stuff you don't know about or it's the visuals and the final piece you see on screen. And this is a director who... It feels like when he makes a movie, he takes his time and crafts it. He's not a director that's pumping out something every year because the studio wants him to. He used to be at a point where it said, okay, the studio, we want you to do the Batman films, then we'll give you whatever you want to do in between. And he's kind of used this to leverage his position at Warner Brothers and to show how much uh, power he has and how much they believe in his films. For example, he can move Tenet to wherever he wants and Warner Brothers is going to listen yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> no matter what they, they're going to shift over their whole schedule because he wanted two weeks pushback yeah, on it yeah, and then as well put Inception in theaters for whatever reason so and Tenet, it's worth pointing out and this has nothing to do with our arguments um, but and Jordan uh, thank you mm -hmm. <laughs> um, this has nothing to do with the arguments but it's worth pointing out like Tenet is such a highly anticipated film that it really is a monster for every other studio at this point like, a new Nolan movie, you want to talk about overrated, I think a lot of 
a lot of times when we define that, it's like, okay, how, how do we look at this? And we both looked at it differently, right? But it's hard to argue that the man is making movies people like. Like yeah, Wonder I mean. Woman, I DC that. comic films, every the whole internet <laughs> watched a flow of movie news, a release date shifting from every studio the second Tenet got moved just two weeks. Had Tenet Dun- got moved two weeks. Had Dunkirk not been directed by Nolan, would the film had been received the same exact way? I think Dunkirk's phenomenal. But do you think it would have been th- received the same way? It, I think you're. I think you're asking something that would also be a different film at that point. True. Yeah. I don't. If I don't. It's not yeah. directed by Nolan. It wouldn't. It would be a completely different film because, especially how time is played with in in Nolan's movies as a theme. I don't think a another director who would have been tasked with handling that would have told the same exact story the same way. Maybe not. Nolan. It probably wouldn't have used the time gimmick, but. See, I don't. See gimmicks aren't always a, gimmick. a bad thing. Yeah, gimmicks aren't always course, a bad thing. Of course, of course. And I don't yeah. even know if that's a gimmick so much as a just as a narrative device, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's not like he said, okay, they're getting in a time machine, right? It's not like they hopped in a DeLorean. Mm. It's just that you know he chose to tell these 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 three stories. And sure, I guess it, it, had he stretched all three stories out to the same length, would it still be a gimmick? You know what I mean? Mm. Like. I don't. I don't. Know. We we we're 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 over we're we're overselling our arguments here. <laughs> but I think that just goes to show how good this argument has been. That is uh, that's it for arguments today. We got some housekeeping though. Um, as you guys know, as Jordan just said, it's up to you guys. Um, obviously, <laughs> this is not going to be an easy one for you guys. Um, you go to Patreon. You cast your vote. If Middle Eight wins, it's it's not even just that he wins. He gets a win, but every single vote matters. Every single vote because every single percentage counts as a point. So if I win by fifty-one to forty-nine, I get fifty-one points. If Frank wins fifty-six to forty-four, I get forty-four points. And so when it's when it's time to do the brackets at the end of the season for playoffs, those points matter. They change things. You, can, you might even get a bye week. So. Your vote, even if you think it's a landslide, even if whatever it is, place your vote because it really, every single one does matter. You can do that on the Patreon. By the way, while we're talking about the Patreon, um, for those of you that don't know, maybe you're listening on Apple Music and Spotify. Um, maybe you're, you don't even know the Patreon exists. Uh, there's a lot going on over there. We have this Film Panic podcast in which you can hear people. I want to I want to say something real quick. Frank, you you surprised me, man. <laughs> you surprised me. You, you were tough, man. Anyways, you can hear people like Frank, Karsten Runquist. We might have the guys of Wisecrack on. Um, good group of people. Jordan competes. It's just uh, you can hear Film Panic. You'll get it two weeks early over there, plus voting rights exclusively, um, which is a weird word, voting rights. Uh, you, you, get, you get to vote. Um, but also you get The Cut, which is our um, monthly – uh, it's kind of like a commentary track where we, we're going to do Cat in the Hat first, so that's exciting. Um, you also get our secondary podcast, which is basically a review. We just talk about the movies that are coming out. Plus, you also get an entire YouTube channel from me called Nostalgic Reviews. Uh, basically, two to three times a week, you're going to get a review of a show, a movie, a video review. Also, you're going to get all the nostalgic videos that can't make it on YouTube for whatever reason. So, yeah, that's that's a lot of stuff on the Patreon. There's merch. Just check out the Patreon if you have any interest. If you want to vote for Frank, if you're here for Frank, um, that's where to do it. Also, you can follow me on NostalgicYT. Frank, talk about talk a bit about what you're doing, man. Over on YouTube? Yep. Uh, yeah. So, again, just making videos on music, video essays talking about the behind the scenes of certain albums or just interesting things that happen during the making of these albums, dissecting them, analyzing them, and, yeah, bringing you new and music I say to enjoy. This, I say this genuinely. 
the best music videos on on YouTube, and I don't I don't say that lightly, and I don't say that just to blow smoke up Frank's ass. <laughs> I I really think that what I think is really unique about your videos is that there is no singular kind of um, kind of video you make. Mm-hmm. Everything from the editing, the topic, the things you talk about is wildly diverse. Like Thanks. I think a lot of times on YouTube you get you get people that focus on something, whether it's movies or or TV or music, and they, they end up just kind of being like, all right, I only talk about this kind of thing. I only talk about this kind of thing. And instead, I think you're really introducing people to this huge wide breadth of music knowledge and music understanding that covers basically anything you could think of. Yeah. Um, I feel like your, I, is, I listen to everything. So that's why, like, I guess maybe my earlier videos were a little more indie rock, but now, like, everything's kind of encapsulated from hip hop to uh, psychedelic pop. Um, just yeah, you you could right 40. now you can literally you can go to his channel and watch a video about Beyonce's Lemonade <laughs> visual release mm-hmm. and also a video about Gautier, somebody that I used to know. Yep. So you're you're talking about um, a wide range of content there. But uh, where can we find you on Twitter, Frank? On Twitter, you can find me at at more middle eight. Boom. Uh, Jordan, what about you? What do you know, man? Uh, me, I'm working on uh, some some film reviews, some video game reviews. I'm actually right now in the process of reviewing a game that, by the time this comes out, will be out, but is not right now. It's the new uh, SpongeBob <laughs> remake <laughs> video game. So I'm working to, <laughs> working the, the tough stuff. That. Yeah, the the really hard hitting stuff right there, the ones that make you think. Uh, but you can find me at Twitter at JordanFringe94, where I'm always throwing my opinions on things, good or bad. There you go. Okay, that's amazing. Um, I don't, I didn't know that SpongeBob game was out yet, Jordan. It's not yet. Oh, okay. You got a review copy? Yeah. Hey, Frank, do you play games at all? Yeah. I was, I'm was. i just uh, replaying Horizon right now. Zero Have you played a Borderlands? Uh, yeah, which one? <laughs> I played all three. <laughs> what do you think about the Borderlands movie announcement? I didn't hear about that. When is? When did yeah. that happen? Eli Roth yes. is directing a Borderlands I movie. I could see that. Starring Kate Blanchett. Okay. So they're going with like a female does, lead? Does that excite you? Yeah, it does. I mean, like, I'm, Eli Roth is, like, kind of the, the king of camp, I guess, in a way. Yes, it's so. such a weird choice. But, I mean, honestly, the, we were talking about the other day. I think the one game that was that's really made to be adapted into a movie that makes sense, Uncharted, which yeah. continues to get pushed around and pushed around. Because, like Jordan said, it's basically like young Indiana Jones. Yeah, and I don't, right? think, yeah. I don't think we need an Uncharted movie, considering the games are kind of, like, blockbusters. Cinematic as it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're at a point where we really don't need video game movie adaptations did you see yes. sonic look, look at the graphics yeah i saw sonic i actually enjoyed it it's pretty good pretty excited yeah. to yeah to see a sequel featuring uh tales <laughs> oh yeah i forgot about that i didn't i didn't see Spoilers. the credits until <laughs> until uh until on youtube later <laughs> but yeah i just i don't think i've seen a video game movie that i'm super enamored by <laughs> yeah i like think. Assassin's You're telling Creed. me the Assassin's Creed didn't do it for I you? I was so <laughs> excited about it. i love the Assassin's Creed franchise and, and i really was a fan of the director yeah, because yeah, he just did that 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 Macbeth movie a few years before with with all the same actors who was in the Assassin's Creed, and it was great. Like yeah. he did a great job with that, and then to see Assassin's Creed fall apart I after love they delayed Assassin's it a year, Creed. and yeah. they took time to study the games. I don't know. It, it just, just I don't know what happened to that. So... I want to see the 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 director's cut of that on 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 HBO Max. <laughs> I think it was one of those yeah. matters of the studio was probably like, we'll let you make Assassin's Creed, and then you can make Macbeth. And yeah, then, so exactly. he just kind of like, rushed. We'll give you Assassin's another Creed. Macbeth or whatever it is. Yeah. I wonder, yeah, what is the director's cut you'd want to actually see, Jordan? Of Assassin's Creed? Is that, is that, what, you had to pick one uh, movie. Uh, 
If I had to pick one movie to get a director's cut, that's a really that's a hard question. Yeah, it is. I want to really know if there's a movie out there that I'm like. Can I we want tacos. Ex- I'm just sorry. I'm just thinking out loud. Are you hungry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Tell me about your director's cut. I'm, I'm, I'm about to get some I would, flats. I'd, I'd want a director's cut of Directive Pikachu. I, I'd, I'd want Pikachu? some stuff reworked. Wow. I, I'd want some stuff. As a Pokemon fan, I'd want some stuff reworked with that film. Interesting. Really? Sure. I would yeah. I would want to. I would probably, if I had to pick a movie, I would probably want a director's cut of Arrival. I'd be very ah. curious to see because I'm sure that the studio had some, some say in manipulating things. that film in some way, and I'd be really curious to see if Denis had no studio involved and he had an unlimited budget, what that movie would look like. It's already incredible. I know, Frank, you're up. What do you got? It seems like a very tight film. Um, I I'd almost say like Kill Bill. Like I'd love to just that would see. Be dope. I would just love to see like a five hour straight like Kill Bill film. Oh my god! Instead yeah, of, that like, or that or. Yeah, that or maybe like, I don't know. I'd like to see. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see a director's cut of What's Spot of Time in Hollywood. I was gonna say yeah. I'd take another hour of that film. Yeah, yeah, I would take another hour of that movie. That, that could very well be is, a series or something too. I, I would. I would take a mini series yeah. of it. Honestly, if you gave me like a six-hour <laughs> mini series, yeah, I'm down. I would take. I'd watch that. I would take a director's cut of the Justice League, like four hours long. HBO Max or something like that. You're gonna well, get you're it. Getting it. <laughs> you're getting it. In fact, it's six hours long. Oh, perfect. And it's it's not even the same movie anymore. Before we so. close out, before we close out, does anybody want another Pirates of the Caribbean movie? Uh, maybe. No, but we're getting one. Is it, Are we really? Is it rebooted? Yeah. Uh, th- so this hasn't been confirmed. Uh, but they are they are working on a next Pirates of the Caribbean with uh. With all the stuff with Johnny Depp happening, they, I don't really know if they eventually like said sorry and Johnny tried to Depp. cast him back in. Uh, but as far as I know, it was like just Karen Gillan was supposed to be a new female pirate lead, and that's about it. Um, I have no idea. I really hope they get Johnny Depp back oh, is that in like there. Six or seven now? This would be six. We have Whoa. five right now. I don't even remember anything after like three. Jesus. I don't. I didn't well, know there was anything four, after four three. Four was Fountain of Youth. Five was I've um, never heard the of Javier that. Bardem one where he says Jack Sparrow. Javier Bardem really is in Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> he's I mean, he's, he's the that. villain in the villain in five. Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> have you not seen Pirates of the Caribbean five? Where at one I have point not seen they, Pirates they, of the Caribbean. They rip one. a whole bank. Off the roots, and and Johnny Depp is on a bank as they're pulling a bank through the city. No, are you serious? I haven't seen this. They fantastic. Two and a half hours. Yeah, is this the new? They fast five that thing with a boat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They 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 uh they they vault heist this bank, and uh, it's it's just as ridiculous as you think it is. And then later on, there's even more things where they split the sea open. It's pretty crazy. Two pirates, two Caribbean. (laughs) Yeah, two pirates, two Caribbean. Exactly. That's not the title of the next one. If it's just Karen Gillan. (laughs) <laughs> and Johnny Depp. Two That's pirates, the perfect title. Two Caribbean. I think Frank really does need to work in marketing. First off, the <laughs> elevator pitch for Inception and now this. That's where you're at, my guy. <laughs> well, it's that's, a good thing I went to school for PR, so I know how to exactly. sell Exactly. You, 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 you <laughs> get it. It sucks that Christopher Nolan ended up copying yeah. High School Musical 3. but <laughs> Yeah, High School Musical 3. You what almost sold me is. on that for a sec there. I haven't seen High School Musical 3, so... I, I mean, there's there's a moment where he has an emotional power ballad and is bouncing some basketballs around the school at night, and there's a part where the the hall starts moving because he keeps sliding all around the the walls and ceiling. I really, so. I actually, when I I like High School Musical one, like I, yeah, I find all, enjoyment in watching that movie. 
Yeah, we're all in this together. I mean, <laughs> positive message. There we go, exactly. I was somehow <laughs> anyway. lucky enough to not watch any of those films. I watched, I when I was growing up, Disney Channel was my thing, for sure. Same, but I just didn't for show sure. up for those high school musical premieres. Oh, I was all about the DCOMs. <laughs> all about DCOMs. Smart House. You weren't ready to watch a Disney Channel movie? Oh, man, that was my, that came on, man. And all the kids were jumping over the film reels and everything. You could have oh, sat crazy. six pizzas in front of me in a soda bar, and I still would have been focused. <laughs> I, that Those <laughs> movies were, oh, my goodness. What was the movie that Brie Larson was in? Fast Track? Something? Uh, the, yeah, one of the. Drag racing yeah. one? Bruh, mm-hmm. for like three years, I was like, that's me. I'm going to drag race. What was <laughs> the one with the uh, the mountain boarding? Johnny Capahala? Was that the Johnny second Tsunami? one? Johnny Tsunami. I, f- I forget, but I remember I wanted to do mountain boarding after that came out because I was like, oh, that's so cool, and I never got I wanted to board. surf after Johnny Cabajala. I wanted to draw was, after I mean, Whiplash. Do you want remember to, you the 13th year? <laughs> probably not, actually. It probably scared me say, to drum after that. Whiplash dude would not make me want to drum. <laughs> what about the 13th year, where at 13 years old, the kid turns into a mermaid? <laughs> yeah, the body just happened in a movie. <laughs> oh, that's my a, God. That's a classic. That the movie. Smart House is still the best. That dude was like a was like, was like like the Tom Cruise of Disney Channel movies. <laughs> Luck of the Irish, Smart House. Like, that dude was everywhere. I mean, he deserved like a DCOM Oscar or something. This is Chaz Starbuck? Like, yeah, that's pretty much what his name was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> then he just disappeared. Everyone on those DCOMs, except for like Danielle Panabaker does stuff. Now she's on Flash. Yeah. And Zach Efron is obviously, and Vanessa Hudgens is, she hosts things, I think. Yeah, she's she's the queen of Netflix. If there's a Netflix movie, she's probably in it. Good for her. It's probably some, it's yeah. probably, that's probably. Also, she's thing. in Bad Boys 3. She is? She is. I haven't and seen Bad Boys right for Life yet. yet. Really? It's it's not bad. Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> Anyways, um, that's it for film banning today. Um, I think if you've learned anything today, it's maybe maybe check out High School Musical 3, I guess. <laughs> maybe that's... And watch yeah, Dark, that's, Inception watch was dark inspired on Netflix. By. <laughs> we, spent, we spent an hour having this very analytical film conversation that recommended High School Musical 3. So, you know, that's how... I mean, we're, that's we're, what's here. really over We're versatile. <laughs> we're versatile. <laughs> um, anyways, you will see Frank again, Frank again on um, the show. We'll be back, uh, I think, next week after this launches. Um, so, yeah, we'll see you guys then.